On this episode of Crazy Busy, the interviews, we're going to meet Susan Nicholas. Susan reinvented herself from being a cardiothoracic surgeon to helping others wake up their souls. Yes, there is a great story behind this. Stay tuned. You're listening to Crazy Busy, the podcast for executives, entrepreneurs, and savvy fast trackers who want to start their week sane and end it that way too. Here's your host, growth strategist, executive coach, and millennial leadership mentor, Karen Bellantoni. Hi, Susan. Hi, Karen. <laughs> I'm so excited to share your story today. Thank you for having me. I love to hear about women who are able to reinvent themselves. And I know a lot of our listeners are looking to do that at any age. Tell us about your your story of how and why you went from doing what you were doing, which I'm sure was a huge commitment, expense, time, you know, to become a surgeon and why you would have walked away from that to do what you're doing today. Well, my transition from being a cardiothoracic surgeon to now being an energy healer and a writer and a public speaker on consciousness was more of an accidental, if you will, reawakening. It wasn't something that I was imagining that I would ever do in life. It was unplanned. It was unplanned. But maybe not an accident. Yeah. <laughs> and I and I consciously, of course, there are no accidents in life, but it would it would be perceived as such, like a, I, something I may have stumbled upon more than something that was, oh yeah, always going to be. Yeah. Even though it was always meant to be. <laughs> and so for me, the way that it looked like uh, in my journey into clinical medicine was from the age of 10 years old, I knew that I wanted to do something purposeful in life. I had always sought my purpose as a young child. And I thought being a doctor was rather purposeful. And I went about my life becoming that. And my evolution into becoming a surgeon happened through the years of my medical school and training. I found myself in the Bay Area in my cardiothoracic fellowship thinking that I had finally made it. Like it was it. I was doing exactly what I thought I was meant to do in life. And I thought I would just feel this feeling of almost like like arrival of fulfillment, of happiness, of joy. But instead, Karen, I felt this deep emptiness, like this soulful void, like I fell off an emotional cliff. Wow. And I did not know how to turn that around. And I was so woeful in that this is like a crevasse, a very deep void, something that I had felt from the very beginning of my journey into medicine, in medical school and residency. I always felt like, mm, I don't, I had this um, conflict. I wasn't happy, but I thought, oh, it was um, uh, kind of like a feeling of my circumstance. Like, of course, I'm just a, you know, I'm just an intern. So of course I feel disenfranchised or I feel unhappy. You were deferring your feelings exactly. rather than experiencing them. And I just kept thinking that it would get better and better as I got more mature and kind of more into what I was meant to do. Well, when I reached that point, I realized not only was I still unhappy, but that that depth of emptiness was ever deeper. This I called this a void, like this crevasse, this very deep void of feeling. I felt very detached from life. And I believe that I I didn't want to go on anymore. I mean, it was I was so um, distraught in this kind of sorrow of like the soul on a very deep soul level 
that I attempted to take my own life. And that was the time, Karen, that I believe that the shift occurred Mm. where I began to wake up consciously. I didn't wake up fully, but I knew something had to change. And it was the time that I heard, I believe, my higher self for the very first time speaking to me, that I understood that there was more to this life than what I was experiencing, more than this physical embodiment that we all have, that there was something much higher that I never knew existed in me. I kind of called it a soul, but I didn't know what that really meant. Um, I thought it was something that we experienced after we died, but I heard it uh, in this kind of the deepest, kind of darkest area of my own life experience Mm. where I had my first suicide attempt. That's an amazing story. So you felt so committed to this path of medicine and you maybe felt that you had done all these Mm -hmm. right things. You checked all those boxes. And I know a lot of people can relate to that. You're working hard towards this thing that you thought you were supposed Mm -hmm. to air quotes (laughs) get to. And that, that wasn't it. That wasn't it. And so, and when you're young and you think, if it's this scary. isn't it, what is it? It's yeah. terrifying. It is because terrifying. Because you, you talked about it uh, before we started on the air about all the commitment that you make, the expectations that are on you. It's That is not easy. That journey was not easy. It took everything of me to get to that place. And your family. Only, exactly. Yeah. Uh, to feel empty. Um to, I, I would go to work and cry on the way home. Or I, I just, I felt a complete detachment from life, like mm-hmm. my life did not matter, uh, despite what I was doing. So I, I, I would go to work and I would do this very high functional stuff. I would go to the operating room and I'd take rounds and like take care of people. And then CBICU, I'd go procure organs mm-hmm. uh, from the West Coast for transplant. And I would do all these highly technical things and skills and very highly thoughtful things. And then I would kind of go away from that work of clinical medicine and feel this empty sadness within me. Wow. So you were really hurting. And at yeah. this point of the story is where the turnaround begins. Where it begins <laughs> is not the end of the story. <laughs> and so I knew that I had to make a shift. Like, and I thought it was my career that I had just made a mistake, mm. kind of an honest mistake. And I wasn't mature enough and I didn't trust myself enough to get off that journey. I, I figured at some point it was going to change, but it did not. And when I had this kind of dark night of the soul, if you will, I knew I had to change something and I thought it was the career because that was what I was really up to. I was like work and then more work and then more work. I, um, I had very little else in my life going on as I was pursuing that career. And so I ended up uh, leaving clinical medicine, not not finishing out my, I finished out that year, but not my entire fellowship. And I moved um, from the Bay Area to Atlanta with a long-term partner that I had at the time and went to business school at Emory University. And I thought, okay, what I'm going to do is become a healthcare entrepreneur, investor, that will fulfill me. And so I was still on this very kind of left brain career track, realizing that I had to change something, thinking it was just I made the wrong choice as a kid when I was 10, <laughs> and now I'm going to do the right thing and be fulfilled. Fast forward five years go by, I do the business school, I run a healthcare company for four and a half years, I get an, uh, I get a job offer to work in healthcare equity investments, and I'm 
in that soulful place again of unfulfillment. Wow. Now this time around, I have a two-year-old, and I and I became afraid because I, I, I heard myself say many times, I don't think I'm going to make it through this one. I'm not going to make it. Mm. And I feared for my own self, but not so much because I felt ready to go. Um, but I, it was my son I didn't want to abandon, and I didn't want him to have memories of me um, or their lack of of me taking my life, and he's a child. Mm. And so I, I, I came to this place where I was having like conversations with whatever could listen. I didn't even have language for it, but I was like, if I don't get this, if I don't understand what it is I am to do on this planet, what, what we are doing, what we are all doing, then I, I, I'm not going to go on living. I didn't feel like I could go on living. So essentially, Karen, I felt that I had to wake up consciously to go on living this life. There were times that I would literally drive in my car and like traffic in Atlanta. And I think, what are we doing on this planet? Surely with all of our complexity, that we are not just born into these bodies to work and pay bills. I couldn't believe that. And it bothered me to no end that I just seemed like nobody else was asking those questions or I never, I couldn't get the answer. It came from nowhere external. I was at kind of a juncture where I was not yet looking inward for the answers. Everything was outside of me for validation of myself, of, of, of the world, of, of life. I never looked inside to find those answers. And I think at this point, if I may, you felt so different from everybody else that no one could really understand you, right? Because if people were looking at you on the outside and going, doctor, check, surgeon, yeah, yeah. triple check, right. MBA right. school, check, 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 you know, you should be, be so happy. happy. Yeah. And that state where we feel like we don't care if we're here anymore is really what despair is exactly and it's a word that until you experience it you and don't I have, know the depth of that you don't know the yes. depth of it and it is for people who are listening who are seeking their purpose not finding it puts you in that state it does because I think your soul is fighting with your brain exactly and it's your brain tell is, you something but yes. you can't hear it and your brain is going should 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 yeah. and your soul is going no yeah, no no yeah. tell us more well what i think it is karen is that we have this mind of ours that's constantly chattering about something often about past grievances, things from the past that it keeps bringing up and showing us and all the stuff that we have to do. How many of us drive down the road with like this Rolodex of things that we have to do today or that are undone or past grievances? I should have said that or that person, I can't believe they did that. And that's going on constantly. And I had that. And I never believed, I, I thought of an urban legend that you could have a quiet mind. I couldn't really meditate. I couldn't settle down. I was, it was constantly going. Um, I kind of describe it as if you hear a loud generator going in the background and you don't realize how loud it is until it cuts off, yeah. how much like noise that is. That's how my mind was until I be kind of, until I learned to be quiet. And what I realized is that soul of us, that soul of me was not that voice, but it was the listener of that voice. It was the observer of life. But I could never hear that the voice of, of the listener or, or the voice of intuition. I could feel things, but I didn't trust it. And I would never really listen. I would go back to the external validation, the external facts, this and that, when in fact, all the answers had always been within me. Mm. So, so powerful. 
So today you're sitting here, you look healthy and happy, yes. <laughs> which we're all grateful for. Thank I'm you. I'm sure you are and your family is, and especially your son. Yes. Uh, tell us about how all of this despair and pain that you've been through is manifested into what you do today, uh, how SusanNichols.org helps people and your human consciousness consortium. Sure. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. So what it is, is today I'm an energy healer. Um, I have a private energy practice with that also involves private coaching for professionals like me who have reached kind of their, all the worldly trappings of success and still feel empty. And, and some of them do take their lives. And, and I the, totally understand it. And th this is for people who are done with maybe the prescriptions and the doctor said and th those types of things that was once part of your Yes, offering. my purview. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It was just scratching the surface. I think of the, the, the soul of us and the body of us like an iceberg. And if you see what's sticking out of the water, I, I, that's like the body. That's what we can mm -hmm. see. But what's underneath is this expanse. And that expanse is, is analogous to the soul of us, like how much bigger it is than what's sticking mm -hmm. above the surface. And we never get to that. I In allopathic medicine, which is where I trained, I got my MD degree at the University of Iowa. I don't know any person that was in medical school with me before and after that ever really learned about this energy of us. And I realized in my conscious awakening that we are first and foremost, our, the essence, the truest essence of us is pure energy. It's consciousness. It is the seat of our consciousness. And we have these human bodies, I call them shells or like our costumes that we wear so we can have an embodied experience on the 3D earth. It allows us to interact with this magnificent planet. But we never get to that part of it. And I'm telling you what ails the soul manifests in the body. And I imagine that as a soul healer, as someone that works in the energy realm now, that if we all started there with, with our emotional baggage, all the things that we're carrying from this life or even that we're carrying over from a past existence, things that we have not yet learned, transformed, dealt with, then we would never have to open the body and cut out a tumor. And so I, I think about that all the time when, in my clinical practice where I said, geez, I used to open the body and remove diseased matter. But what if we actually got to the root of it, mm -hmm. like to the soul of it, to the core of it and healed from within? What I, I mean, what, we have the need for heart surgeons and oncologists and things like that. I, I maybe in rare, the very, very rarest of occasions. Uh, but I don't think for the stuff that we typically are dying of today. I, I agree 100%. I've had these experiences myself. Very, very recently, I had my back go out. And I panicked because I had a pretty busy schedule and went to see a doctor who put two different needles in my spine. They're called epidurals, mm -hmm. very strong medicine. I was folded over completely. And I had an energy healer get me standing straight up in mm -hmm. 20 minutes where those two needles could not, mm -hmm. could not help me, could not support me. And I started to realize if the medicine went into my spine where the pain was, and I still couldn't stand up, maybe the pain wasn't there. Mm -hmm. Maybe the pain was elsewhere. And that's how where it was manifesting in the yes, body. That's where just, you're holding it in the body. Exactly. So let's talk about uh, some of the things that you talk about as a speaker 
and uh, you are so fantastic at helping people heal not only what I think is one of the biggest contributors of crazy busy, which is hanging on to old emotions and not being able to forgive, mm -hmm. uh, but also unblocking, helping people unblock their energy blocks around yeah. money. Yes. Which is, it seems like, I think to the lay person listening, doesn't fit the, with what you're exactly. talking about. But it is, but it is. My my first speaking platform is about the is the transformation of feelings, realizing that when we hold on to dense, heavy energies, that those could be energies of unforgiveness, of pain, of anger, uh, past grievances. Those energies are uh, are we call them feelings, and those feelings are very deliberate and intentional. It's not that you're going to get rid of the feelings because these are energy at their core. It's an energetic. It's part of our energy matrix. It's part of our the soul of us, our essence that we carry these, what we call feelings. We've got names for them. And it's a feeling in the body that we've named. We, we all know that everything that is a feeling, we feel it somewhere in our body, our pit of our stomach, our heart's racing, we're shaking. We feel it somewhere in the body. And so that feeling that dense energy manifests in the physical form and it does it over and over and over again and what we have not learned about this energy of us is what that means like what we're supposed to do with it and sometimes that energetic body connection is not one-to-one -one. so if i feel palpating in my heart maybe it's not my heart that's aching it's something else it's just that's where it's showing up in my body same you with try the back to get your attention exactly it does it gets your attention and i also was debilitated with back pain there was a time in my life when i could not walk mm. and i had epidurals too and a bag of pills mm. and i get it and it was about a relationship it was to me that once i get out of this kind of painful relationship, I miraculously I have no back pain. <laughs> and so, you know, from it's all related and we can't always make the connection from the outside looking in. It has, it's an inside job, inside looking out. But forgiveness is a huge one. And I was carrying that. I was carrying this dense, heavy energy, this, this pain from my childhood. Perhaps I'm carrying it, even a carryover from a past existence where I didn't actually overcome that, where I need to recognize that acknowledge that energy that feeling i need to address it what is that yeah. and i need to transform it and there is a way of doing that effectively where you can be finally rid of it you don't get rid of the energy it is transformed into something higher so one thing that i've learned about energy and on my conscious journey is that everything in noble and unknowable energy uh, and noble existence is energy at its core everything including the energy of us the essence of us and the energy of our money the soul of our money mm. it has consciousness there's a conscious energy or frequency that's associated with how our money flows just like how we flow and how we move in and out of this existence and once we get to the root of that and say oh my gosh everything is energy then we can begin to apply the laws of energy and the first law of thermodynamics states to us that energy is not created nor destroyed, but it is transformed. So we can't get rid of it. We must transform it. And that's true for, about electricity and solar energy or hydro or whether it be the energy of us or the energy of our money. And many things that have to be transformed when it comes to the energy of money are our beliefs about it. Mm -hmm. Just like what has to be transformed about us is our beliefs about ourselves, often about not being good enough in some way. Some, someone told us that or made us feel that way at some point in life, and we believed it. And it becomes a long-standing belief that kind of has its 
kind of way of kind of swirling in us, showing up in our body in different ways where we feel inadequate, where we look in the mirror and we don't see our true divine beauty and grace, our power, and we become disempowered in that energy. We never name it and call it out and say, what is this about? You know, go to the root of it so we can finally release it, like let it go. It's you, it's by an acknowledgement of it, and there's a release of it where you have a higher understanding now, yes. and then you can let that go. These belief systems are programs like you'd put on your computer. Exactly. And sometimes they start causing viruses. Exactly. And sometimes they're not up to date, and they start causing your computer to slow down. And so I do work with people on helping them identify these belief systems where they come from and do something I call redecide, right? Mm-hmm. So are we able to redecide? And I think you and the science background that you bring to this, I hope you know and see that you needed to go through all these very painful steps because your science background and your view from the other side has created this wealth of knowledge that I'm sure is profound for anyone in your audience. So how do people get to work with you and find out more about you? Sure. So I, again, am an international speaker. You can always find me, my speaking platforms, my books, um, my healing practice on www.susannicholas.org. And we'll put that in the show notes. Wonderful. Wonderful. Susan, thank you so much for sharing your beautiful story with my listeners today. Uh, Thank you, Karen. It's been a great pleasure. Yes. This episode of Crazy Busy, The Interviews was recorded and supported by the Art House Hotel, New York City, with 291 guest rooms, three on-site restaurants, and nightly entertainment. Book your next stay at the Art House Hotel or call in for group rates and events. ArthouseHotelNYC.com.